<laughs> We're in a live audience now. Say hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> so we're having fun on a Wednesday night Bible study tonight. I have a very encouraging teaching, and this is called 15 Laws of the Harvest. You know, laws are really unbending, but they can be superseded. So, for example, there's the law of sin and death can be superseded by the law of life in Christ Jesus. For the law of sin and death has been abolished or swallowed up by the law of life in Christ. Jesus came and died for us, so the law of sin and death could be superseded. So the law of gravity, you step off a building, you go up or down, you go down. It's not a trick question. But if you're the right brothers and you step off the building, you fly. And so the law of avionics or thermodynamics or aviation will supersede the law of gravity. But the minute you stop operating in the law of aviation or flying above those thermodynamics, what happens is this, the law of gravity takes back over. And so tonight we're going to talk about 15 biblical laws of the harvest as it relates to an issue that you know, sometimes we don't want to talk about it, yet we talk about it with everybody else outside the church, which is money, finances, seed time, harvest. And so tonight we're going to talk about this so we can dispel some myths, anchor us in these laws. Because for those that don't know the law of life in Christ Jesus, they're under the law of sin and death. And we would not be doing them a favor if we didn't tell them about a law that superseded sin and death with the law of life in Christ. So we're going to touch on these laws tonight. And it's a very interesting thing. And this isn't something I teach on often. If you look through most of the stuff and the content that we have, very rarely do I teach on this. But I really feel impressed that we need to understand these biblical laws of the harvest. The Bible reveals 15, probably at least 15, but we're going to highlight these 15 laws of the harvest. Each of these laws falls under the overriding banner of seed time and harvest. So seed time and harvest is an umbrella. How were you born? A seed was sown into a womb that conceived. During that conception, there was a maturation and a growth process that lasted nine months. At any time, that process could have been aborted. That process could have been miscarried. Doesn't mean there wasn't a real seed. Doesn't mean there's not a real womb or soil that that seed was in. And sometimes we don't get to the harvest side or the birthing side because something disrupts it in the process. So we're gonna learn tonight not to give up once a seed is sown and also to nurture and prayer that seed through the maturation process onto birthing where we can receive the harvest. So God is not mocked, Galatians 6, 7 says, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, that we shall also reap. You know, it's interesting. I, I have people come to me and they're like, David, you know, pray. I, you know, I sowed this seed and I, I you know, want a thousand fold harvest on it. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm like, what about the other seeds you sowed this week? Seeds of discord and strife and backbiting and anger and strife. Did you want a thousandfold on that as well? Well, no, no, I want crop failure on that. 
Amen or ouch. So to really receive the significant harvest from the Lord, we don't just sow seed financially and expect to reap a harvest. We need to walk the walk. We need to talk the talk. We need to live the righteous life. And then God can trust us with more. I want to get into this before I get off into the weeds and just lay the foundation. The earth will one day burn up and be replaced by a new one. 2 Peter 3.10, Revelation 21, 1 and 2. Until then, the earth is governed by 15 laws instituted by God when it comes to the harvest. We are wise to study and learn these biblical laws. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6. Because you've rejected knowledge, I've rejected you, he says. So, when we get knowledge and we grow from grace to grace and faith to faith, we begin to exercise faith in the promises of God, in our God who gave us the promises, and we begin to receive the harvest. But you can't claim a promise if you don't know it's there. Just like when I was in the courtroom, I was ignorant of the law. I got devastated. I began to study the law. I started to win cases. One, 11, 12 cases, one year for other prisoners. Why? They called me the golden pen. Because I began to study the law and got the Lord's mind on it, and he began to bless it. So when you bring the law into the court, you present the law, then the judge looks at what you presented, and he says the law is on your side, even if it's a loophole you could find. But if you don't know the law, if you don't know the law of God, you can't present it to the righteous judge and come before him and say, this is what your law, your word says, and I'm now claiming the promises, and now I ask you to apply this law on my behalf and silence the accuser of the brethren. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, wait a second. If we don't confess our sins, we don't get that promise. So we need to apply the promises of God. So the earth is governed by the 15 laws of the harvest. So we're going to start with the book of Genesis. Moses wrote in the book of beginnings, Genesis, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Do we have day and night? Yes. Do we have cold and heat? Yes. Do we have winter and summer? Yes. Do we have seed time and harvest? Yes. Why can we go out and get apples from an apple tree today? Because somebody sowed the seed from an apple that planted that tree that produced seed after its own kind. Every seed brings back its own kind. And if you sow kindness, you'll reap kindness. If you sow mercy, you'll reap mercy. If you sow judgment, you'll reap judgment. You get to choose what kind of seed you sow. You can sow a seed of time, talents, energy, kindness, finances. You can make clothing for people. You know, I, I had a, a clothing anointing for many, many years. And I had so much clothes. I'd just come out of prison after doing 20 years. And God gave me a clothing anointing. It was absolutely crazy. I was the best dressed, you know, pastor in Kansas City coming straight out of prison. I had all these. I mean, people would just give me crazy amounts of high quality clothing. My mother came downstairs, living in the basement, coming out of prison. And I had like racks of clothing. I'm talking about designer, crazy quality clothing. And my mother looks down, she says, this is absolutely obscene. I said, what do you mean? She says, you've only been out of prison six months. Look at all these clothes. I said, I didn't buy them, people gave them to me. I mean, one person gave me 67 shirts one day. 
And I mean, they were nice quality. And I'm like, my guy, and they said, my point is this, I used those shirts and suits and, 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 and shoes and ties and belts. I would bless other ministers to give them upgrades because they might have a wife and two children or three children and they cannot justify taking funds from that house, from a house payment or a car payment or children's you know, food and clothing for them to go have nice things. But I just had an anointing for it. And the more I sowed, the more I reaped. It got so crazy. I walked into Dillard's one day and they had shirts marked down from like $80 to like $3.99. And so I thought, let me buy small, medium, large, extra large, and double XL. And I walked out of there with, uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it was 60 shirts I bought at $4 a piece. In fact, it's a lot to bring those shirts out. I, security helped me, um, not initially to carry them out, but it appeared yeah. those I'm, you know, taking shirts out in racks and so they actually end up laughing because I had my receipt. They're like, I can't believe they're this cheap. It was just one of those weird things. So I would then go sew those shirts into pastors' lives, and I would give them five shirts. Somebody said, well, David, why do you buy small, medium, large, extra, large, and double XL? Because they really weren't for me. I already had enough. And so, I mean, today I still dress nice, but, you know, it, that was kind of fun. You're in khaki for 20 years and T-shirts, and all of a sudden you come out and God just clothes you. I mean, I looked like I was worth a million dollars, even though you know, I could hardly afford to pay attention. But I had what I had, and I sowed the seed. And every time I sowed seed, it would come back in a light time. It was interesting. This is kind of funny. I was dressing nice, and pastors in Kansas City weren't really liking it, you know. And so I realized that, you know, I, I needed to equip them so that they didn't look at me askance on the platform. And so the next thing you know, they all kind of looked like me. And so now they like my clothing because they look like me. Anyway, so that's just an example of seed time and harvest in clothing. So whatever God puts in your hand, if you'll let it come through your hands, whether it's clothing or, you know, food or whatever it is that is in your hand, sow it, give a portion of the seven or eight, and you'll never be out of it. And even to this day, people like give me clothes and I don't ask for it. I just show up. My wife has been with me when a person has given me, you know, a half a dozen suits, 12 pairs of shoes, most of them brand new in the box. I mean, like, you know, nice shoes, you know, not, not, not just average stuff. And it's just amazing. But there's a clothing anointing. But what if I kept all that clothing initially and I coveted the clothing and allowing, instead of allowing the clothing to come through me, I just allowed it to come to me and ended up with glory be to me syndrome, me, myself, and I, and Holy Trinity look at me instead of, hey, let's upgrade people around us with what's in our hands and let all people have, you know, a benefit from that. So as long as the earth remains, Genesis 8.22, the book of beginnings, Genesis 8.22, Genesis chapter 8, 8 is the number of new beginnings, right? The book of beginnings is Genesis. And the number eight is new beginnings. Seven days in a week. The eighth day of the week is a new day of the next week. So eight is the number of new beginnings. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall 
not see. So Genesis 8.22, we are under the banner of seed time and harvest. Mankind is given the opportunity of utilizing each of these 15 laws that are under this banner to his benefit or detriment, as long as he or she is on the earth. These laws are unbending. They treat everyone equally. Just like the law of gravity is unbending and treats everyone the same. If a three-year-old steps off a building, the law of gravity doesn't say, oh, they're only three. They don't know better. We're not going to apply our law to the three-year-old. But that 33-year-old, they should know better. We'll apply the law there. Well, they're the 103-year-old. Maybe they're not thinking correctly today. We won't. That's not the way it works. The law of gravity works the same for everybody. They're unbending laws. You can use them to your benefit or your detriment as long as you're on the earth. Laws treat everyone equally, or at least they should. I mean, I know we kind of have a two-tiered system right now in our nation. We won't get into that, but God's laws aren't that way. Just like the law of gravity is unbending and treats everyone the same. God spoke through Hosea, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, Hosea 4.6. Moreover, as we will soon discover, the entire earth is under God's spiritual law of seed time and harvest. Simply stated, the laws of the harvest work either for or against you, depending upon how you use them. The laws in the Bible work for you or against you, depending upon how you use them. If you work within them, they benefit you. If you work against them, they work against you. Uh, gravity works either for or against you, depending upon how you use it. Gravity automatically works for you to protect you from floating off the planet and into space. The same law of gravity can also bring you to an untimely death if you step off a tall building. One law, two opposite effects depending solely upon how we use it, regardless of the person who obeys or disobeys the law. A spiritual law works the same for everyone who's under it, whether good or evil. If we are ignorant of gravity, it can cost us our life. If we study gravity, gravity will be our best friend as long as we obey its law. The same is true concerning the 15 laws of the harvest. Is that a good foundation to kind of like establish the importance of learning and recognizing these laws so that we are not ignorant of the laws. Random House Dictionary defines the word law as one, principles and regulations established by a government and applicable to a people, whether in the form of legislation or of a custom and policies recognized and enforced by judicial decision, the controlling influence of such rules. We understand from God's word that the laws of the harvest work the same for everyone on this planet. God shows no favoritism. Acts 10.34, for God is no respecter of persons. Then why does one person gain a benefit and the other person gains a detriment from the exact same laws? Let me give you an example. Two sailboats are on the water. The wind is blowing one direction and the sailboats are opposite, sailing opposite directions. Why is that? The reason is because they determine how to harness the wind for their benefit. So the wind can blow you off course or if you know how to harness it, it can get you across the ocean 
or across a lake much quicker than oars trying to row, row, row your boat. And so that when a person doesn't understand how to use the sailboat or the sail, they get blown off course and the very thing that should benefit them actually blows them back the opposite direction no matter how much they row. If, if that, maybe that's a good illustration for you. We understand God's word. The laws of harvest work the same for everyone. We also learn from the psalmist, David, in the Psalms that God's word is forever settled in heaven. Psalms 119.89, meaning these laws do not change. Not for you, not for me, not even for God. God has chosen to bind himself by his own word by placing it above his own name. God's word is above his own name. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, God, I want you to do this. I can't because this is my word and I put it above my own name. I swore by myself. I swore by my word. I gave you the rule book and the rules will work for you. But don't be destroyed from lack of knowledge. This is why we can have great confidence in God keeping his word and God's word and the 15 laws of the harvest contained in the scriptures and the law of God. The 66 books of the Bible is the law of God. By studying God's word, the Holy Spirit will illuminate truth and revelation about God's character, nature, ways, and spiritual laws. This is one reason that Solomon, the wealthiest man in the history of the world, said, And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Proverbs 24.4 We are therefore wise to know and understand the 15 laws of the harvest because they are without a doubt the laws God has set over the earth and its inhabitants for as long as the earth remains. That being said, let's study in detail these 15 spiritual laws of the harvest, asking God for wisdom so we can benefit from the laws he has placed in effect over the earth and avoid their pitfalls. Do you know the world often understands the laws of the harvest and the churchgoers don't? Very interesting. I've met more generous people in the world than I have in the church. There are exceptions to that where they're very generous people. But mostly I've met very generous people. A friend of mine was interesting. He said to me, he said, David, he said, I went to my church. He says, I want to create this greatest gifts program. I want to go into the inner city and I want to give out Christmas gifts to inner city kids that don't have parents, don't have a Santa Claus. I want to, I want to raise this and I want to take in our affluent church where we attend in a mega church and I want to take the kids in our youth group from high school. I'm going to bring them over to a grade school and I want them to pack gifts and I want them to see these other children that didn't have a silver spoon in their mouth, didn't have an opportunity of a mother and a father, even they may be divorced. These kids may not have but one parent or a grandparent. The parents might be in jail or gone or dead or drug addicts on the street. And I want them to see, it's like going into the mission field changes somebody when they go to a third world country and they see abject poverty and lack of education. I want to do that here, right here in America, right here in Kansas City. He said, I went to, he goes, I'm going to pray with me. He said, so he went back to the church and he sat down and they said, well, we have to run this through the board of directors and we have to run it through this program. And, you know, we know Christmas is coming up, but let's table that for this year and let's do it next year. He said, David, can we use your not-for-profit? and run the money through there and do a pass through. And I've got a place where we can buy the gifts at cost where the unsaved worldly owner of the toy company 
We'll give them to us at cost because of what we're going to do for it. So I said, yeah, sure. So he goes back and asks if he could have five minutes on the platform to raise money in the church. And we'll run it through the greatest gifts program. They told him, no, we'll have to table that for next year. We have to find out more about it. We need to do a feasibility study. And this is what he found. He went to happy hour on a Friday. And he said, excuse me, could I have everybody's attention? And he raised more money at happy hour in a bar for a real cause, for Christmas gifts that would be given in the name of Jesus from the world drinking at happy hour than he could ever raise in the church because it didn't come through their moniker, it didn't come through their denomination, it didn't come through their board of directors, it wasn't the leadership's ideas. Now that's not to say every church is that way, but I'm telling you, the world understands seed time and harvest better than much of the church does. So he did bring me some checks. We ran them through and then we went and did the greatest gifts program. But you know what he said? Most people didn't want a tax receipt. People handed him cash out of their pockets. No, I don't want a tax receipt for this. I just want to give. I think it's great what you're doing. And I believe God blessed them. I believe God would then send the message of salvation to their house. You know, most people that are successful in the world, when they do get saved, would have to backslide fiscally just to get into fellowship with most Christians. Okay. Anyway, I'm just telling you the truth. I mean, I've got a doctorate in theology. My major concentration is in marketplace ministries. I'm in the marketplace all the time. And I understand the language of the marketplace. Most pastors don't speak that language. And so the language they speak from the pulpit, the marketplace people don't understand what they're talking about. We need to be bilingual. <laughs> Amen? Okay. So we ended up doing this greatest gifts program. And here's what happened. They called me. and I'm, I'm fresh out of prison. This is funny. And we go in and these kids from the wealthy side of the neighborhood come in and they see what's going on. They have no idea. Kids don't have food. They've got backpacks. So we created a backpack program where we did renewable food each week. We ended up getting things donated and everybody from the world wanted to participate. The church didn't with the exception of just a few. I wonder why God prospers people in the world. They might have more generosity. They might understand seed time and harvest better than much of those who name the name of Jesus. So they call me and they're like, hey, David, can you give this uh, message right before, you know, to explain to kids where this comes from? And I said, okay. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, Dr. Martin Luther King. And I said, okay. And I remember I had this little concierge service on my little flip phone coming out of prison. I called the concierge service and then they sent a text message. This is like 2009. They sent a text message to my phone and I read and I got the microphone in the principal's office and I said, today you have gifts. I said, just like Dr. Martin Luther King gave us the gift of civil rights in America that you did nothing for 
that he fought along with other people in your behalf that you have you today. If you did nothing, it's a gift. Gifts of life. I said, even so, Jesus gave you the gift that you have in your hand. He gave you the gift of eternal life. And I went ahead and read from Emmanuel, God with us, the scriptures from the book of Luke. I started it out, talked about Christmas. You know, he will be with child and the whole nine yards. And I'm getting done with this message, not thinking much about it. We got a friendship bracelet on my ankle from the feds at the time. I was really kind of, anyway, uh, kind of bold. And I have an extreme DNA. And so I don't apologize for that. <laughs> anyway, the Holy Spirit says, wrap it up, wrap it up. And I'm like, oh, I'm just kind of getting in my, my flow. Wrap it up, finish it up, finish it up. So I finish it up and basically tell them the reason that you know Martin Luther King is real is because you have civil rights. And the reason you know Jesus Christ is real is because you have evidence of a gift that you did nothing for but because of his love. The difference between everybody else's birthday and Jesus's, when you go to somebody else's birthday party, you bring them a gift. But when we celebrate Jesus's birthday, he brings us a gift. And you have a gift in front of you, and you also have the gift of eternal life if you want it. About that time, the principal comes whirling in, sliding in on these high heels. And she's like, you can't do that. And I said, do what? She goes, you can't mention Jesus. She says, you can't mention Christmas. You can't mention any of what you just did. I said, I'm sorry. And they like turned it off, but the gospel had gone forth. And she said, I could get in trouble for this. And I said, well, can I pray for you? She said, please. Wait a <laughs> and so that's how the Greatest Gifts program was birthed through our ministry, through somebody else's idea. And that ministry began to grow and it went to different things. Anyway, very, very successful off the seed of an idea, off the seed of time, talents, and energies with no support from the local congregation, but God made a way outside the denominational church through a little ministry of a guy who'd just done 20 years in federal prison, but we had a prison ministry, part of America prison ministries, helping change life one Bible at a time. We utilized that, but what's amazing, we ran so little through the ministry, he just had that covering because most of the world didn't want a tax receipt. They wanted to do it because they wanted somebody to have Christmas that was less fortunate than them. And that's how his ministry was birthed. You can birth something off just a seed because an acorn grows into an oak tree. An avocado seed, they're pretty big, but have you ever seen an avocado tree and how many they produce? An apple seed is small, but when you put it in the ground, it grows up into a tree and within a few years, you can't stop that thing from producing. You're so excited about your little tree the first three years and a little five and 10 and 15 apples. By the time you're 10 years in, you're like, did somebody come and take some apples? You just can't wait to get rid of them because you've got so much. And I'm gonna share something with you. As you begin to operate in seed time and harvest, you'll end up reaping and then sowing, reaping and sowing, and it just keeps increasing like it did for me with clothing to where I just started wearing jeans and a basic, you know, t-shirt. And I've got a whole closet full of clothes. In fact, my wife is 
a national pageant winner and she says, you've got more clothes than me. I said, yeah, but I don't really pay for them. People just like give me these clothes. I can't explain it. But I like sewing and dressing and upgrading and honoring other people. And when you honor at the direction of the Lord, God will cause honor to come your direction as well. 15 laws of the harvest. And we're not going to do a detailed deep dive on these. I just want to do a highlighted portion. Because if you go to 15laws.org, number 15laws.org, 15laws.org, I have a teaching I did in 2014. And it's about a two-hour video teaching that outlines the 15 laws of the harvest. Really 14 laws of the harvest with the banner of seed time and harvest from Genesis 8.22 is the banner. So it's 15 laws of the harvest, but you might hear it on there as 14. That's probably absolutely worthless information I just gave you on 14 versus 15. I'm a teacher, so we have a tendency to serve up crockpots of meat that nobody ordered. Okay. So here's a quick list of the 15 laws of the harvest and their corresponding scripture. Law number one, all, all harvest, law number one, all harvests operate by the same laws. Genesis 8.22. There'll be cold and heat, winter and summer, night and day, seed time and harvest. If you don't sow a seed, you never get a harvest. You know, we would do well to zip our lips and not sow certain seeds. But you can't live like the devil all week and come to church on Sunday morning and pray for a crop failure. It doesn't work that way. Because God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows that he shall also reap, whether to the flesh, corruption, or the spirit, everlasting life. Therefore, let us do good unto all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith, for we shall receive our harvest in due season if we do not give up. All harvests operate by the same law, Genesis 8, 22, seed time and harvest. Number two, a seed must be planted, Galatians 6, 7. You have to plant the seed. If you don't plant the seed, it remains in your possession. And as long as it's in your hand, it's the least it will ever be. The minute it leaves your hand at the direction of the Lord into good soil, it's the, as long as it's in your hand, that's the most it will ever be. It won't, won't multiply in your hand. But the minute it leaves your hand at the direction of the Lord into good soil, it's the least it will ever be. So if what's in your hand is too small to be your harvest, it must be your seed. Don't eat it. Plant it. So a seed must be planted. And by the way, as long as you're putting it into your own ministry or you're putting it into your own control, you really haven't sown a seed. You just switch bank accounts with it. I know, I know pastors that write each other $1,000 checks and call it tithing. No, you just exchange checks. But when you sow into somebody's ministry that's not going to sow back, that's sowing. But when you're exchanging checks, well, okay. Number three. Your seed must be sown into good ground to produce a harvest, Matthew 13, 8. So there's different types of soil that you can sow into. You can sow into fraudulent soil and you lose your harvest. You can sow into rocky ground. You might get some back, but you could sow into an area where the birds come and eat it and take it away or the cares of the world get entangled legally and legal thieves eat that thing up and destroy a deal or tie it up into the courts and your seeds there you can't get it back because it doesn't produce a harvest or you can sow into the good soil and get some 30 some 60 some hundredfold and god can even make you a thousand times more based upon deuteronomy 110 
and the eleven may the Lord multiply you and make you a thousand times more. There is a thousand-fold harvest. A lot of people in crypto currencies are making thousand-fold. If you had invested in Bitcoin at nine cents and it's at twenty thousand today, that's a lot of money. Or if you had invested, you know, five years ago when it was, you know, seven hundred to twenty thousand, what's it? I'm not telling you to invest in crypto. I'm just giving you an example. There are things that are in the earth right now that we can see with our eyes because we're not in an agricultural society like we used to be. Now we're in a digital society. You can literally spin up an album, spend 10,000 spinning up an album and put it out and it goes out in music and you can get you know $10 downloads. It's not like it was before where you had to spend money on the, the, the vinyl or the cassette tape or the eight track tape or the CD or the DVD. Now it's digital and a person can literally do an album, sell a million albums at 10 bucks a piece to cost them 10,000 and look at the harvest that can be done. It's pretty amazing how that can be done. That wasn't available 20 years ago, but it is today. We're in this thousand fold harvest opportunity that we can visually see people create a mobile app. And with a mobile app, all of a sudden they can create it and they start getting people to download the light version off an idea, a new idea, a witty invention that solves a problem for people or a little video game that they create, an idea. The next thing you know, they're selling it for a billion dollars. Who would ever think that our kids, how about this Airbnb? They own no property. It's run off a phone or an app off people's phones and who would think that people would be staying in other people's houses and paying money and be happy about it? Who would think that you could go from yellow cab to Uber? A multi, multi billion, they own no cars, all they have is digital. My point is, we have to think out of the box. The generation that's coming up underneath of us think differently. And we have to get out of our paradigm because they have creativity. We have to ask the Lord to renew our minds and restore our creativity so we're not boxed in because we can miss our day of visitation not properly recognizing the opportunity to sow in. Right now, we've got Web 3.0, you've got the metaverse, and people are, what's the metaverse? Research it, it's the next big thing. You know, when the Lord had me uh, birthed, because he conceived in me, it was his seed that dropped in me on the virtual church, on demand from the palm of your hand, accelerated growth using technology, virtualchurchmedia.com. When he conceived that in me in 2014, I had no idea that in 2020, the very people that didn't understand the virtual church were going to be calling me for consulting, saying, hey, David, how do you do this thing? We didn't see it before, but they shut down our churches. Can you help us? <laughs> and guess what? Do you know how many souls were won through the virtual church in 2020, 2021, 2022? A lot of people didn't come back to church. you know why? They realized they weren't really getting much at church other than the sermonette for the Christianer. And they can actually do two-a-days on their phone or the internet or on demand from the palm of their hand on Vimeo or YouTube or social media or podcasts. And they're getting fed. And now they're starting house churches with a dozen people and they're having fellowship just like they did in the first century when they met house to house, not megachurch to megachurch. By the way, I attend a megachurch. My wife and I, we attend a megachurch. They won 2.2 million two years ago. During COVID, they won 3.3 million. I mean, we, we attend a rocking church. We love it. But that doesn't replace meeting house to house. It doesn't replace getting fed our manna six days a week. And on the seventh day, we go in and it's fed to us. We have to gather 
six days a week on our own if we're gonna grow. Professional athletes do two-a-day workouts. Why? They have to because they have to be on the cutting edge because they're professional. If they start working out once a week like most of us, they're probably not gonna play pro ball. They may have seats to put pro ball in the stands for $150. And they can be fans, but they can't be players. And so we need to take this thing seriously. Okay, your seed must be sown into good ground to produce a harvest. So if where you're sowing your seed is the bar that's not good ground. Oh, did I say that? It shouldn't be a revelation, okay? Unless you're going there to get a soda pop and to talk about greatest gifts and to raise money for the kingdom, then that might be good, okay? So go into the world, your boat's in the water, but the water of the world's not in your boat. Get in, get out. Number number five, so number four, seed must be, okay, number four. Not, law number three, your seed must be sown into good ground to produce a good harvest. Number four, the seed must become useless to the sower before it's sown and according to the laws of the harvest. In other words, it can't remain in your account. It's got to leave your hand and leave your control for it to be a seed sown. It can no longer be useful to you. It's useless. Now God can multiply. When the boy gave his two fish and five loaves, what happened? It became useless to him. It was gone from his hands. And then in the hands of Jesus, it multiplied. And Jesus fed 5,000 plus women and children, like 20,000 people. You want to know what happened? The boy was elated. All these people got fed. And they gathered up the baskets and the fragments. Afterwards, the boy had 12 baskets. Can you imagine the boy coming home? He's got 12 baskets of food from a sack lunch. Where'd you get this? Oh, I gave my lunch unto Jesus. And then he fed 5,000 plus women and children. About 20,000 people got fed. And these are the things that were left over. I don't know how a brown cow lives in a red barn, eats green grass, and produces white milk. It's amazing. I don't know how you can put a, a, a corn, a piece of corn in the ground. It'll produce a stalk. And when the stalk comes up, it'll have two or three ears on it. And each one will have about 154 kernels off one. And do you know that when you take those kernels, you can take those stalk of corn, you can, you can feed your family off just one little seed if you wait from seed time to harvest. Notice it says seed time and harvest. It doesn't say sow seed, reap instantly. Sometimes we have need of patience that after we've done the will of God, we might receive the promise. Okay, the number law number five. The kind of seed you sow is the kind of seed you reap. The kind of seed that you sow is the kind of seed that you reap. I was sowing clothing, I was reaping clothing. I wasn't reaping money. People weren't walking up and saying, hey, you know, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, I know you're giving out clothes to so-and-so here, let me give you a check for 5,000. No, they gave me more clothes. Every seed brings back its own kind. You'll kind of get into that flow. So I looked like a million bucks, but I didn't have any. Matter of fact, I, I was preaching churches and, and pastors would, it was, it was during the 2008, 2009 economy crash. So they were actually taking my offerings. Wow, we needed it for this. I, but they, they sowed it, a directed donation for me. I know David, but you know, we, we had expenses. They didn't keep their word, they were, they were under pressure. Not judging them, just telling you what happened. And so I was like, my gosh, what's going on? And every time I would get a piece of money, the Lord would have me sow it into a prophet's life or somebody else's life. And I'm like, he says, I will give you a hundredfold harvest. Keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing. And I did, and God gave me 
supernatural debt cancellation in a single day. A guy from a different denomination sent a check on Good Friday after Christians weren't doing the right thing, actually. They were stealing from me. From what was given to me, they were taking it and not doing the right thing under financial pressure. And so I'm like, Lord, am I there? And I said, I need a sign. I get a call from this guy and he says, uh, David, he says, uh, God's told me to write you a personal letter. I'm thinking, man, we're going to lose our donor from that, for Bibles to prisoners and this and that. And so uh, I come home. And my mother says, there's a letter on your bed downstairs. I said, really? She says, yeah. She says, I put it down there. So I go downstairs, I look at the letter, I'm on the phone, I'm on Bluetooth, and this guy has just cheated me, Christian guy cheated me on a deal. And the Lord says, forgive him. So I forgive him. And uh, so I look down and I see this letter. It's like a legal size letter. So I open it up and I'm thinking, man, a bad week, pastors are cheating. Oh, and the other thing is, I had a job, they were writing me rubber checks. And so I couldn't even cash the check. It was really a bad season. And so, and the Lord just kept on telling me to sew. So, so my mom thought I was crazy at the time. And so I look and I open up the check, or I open up the envelope and it's one page and it's in Spanish. Hermano David, brother David, este cheque adentro, this check inside is for you, not for the ministry, for you personally. And he says, this is from God the boss, Dios el jefe. And I'm like reading this. And I look at the amount on the check and my eyes are blinking because my, my brain can't believe what's on the check amount. And this is on Good Friday. I mean, I almost became a Catholic that day. <laughs> so, so what happened, and it came from a Catholic guy, charismatic Catholic. And, and so, uh, so here's what happened. I'm staring at it. And I, I get off the phone with this person who I've just forgiven. And I realize that every seed that I sowed into other people's ministries, every stolen offering that I'd forgiven of those pastors, heaven kept the books, and in one fell swoop, God gave me supernatural debt cancellation. I was able to finish off my schooling with my bachelor's in theology back then. I was able to fly my mother and father down where I graduated with the robes as a pastor. I was now officially licensed to marry and bury you know, and, and what, what happened was, had I not forgiven those people, I would have sown the seed of unforgiveness instead of forgiveness, and I would have blocked the law of the harvest of mercy and victory in my own life. And so I looked at that, and I thought, man, I've got to call this guy and thank him, and I couldn't remember his name. His name's on the check. I can't remember his name, but it came from a company. Long story short, I look at the envelope, and the Holy Spirit says, Thank the Father for what he did. That was the resource. God is your source. So I got down on my knees and began to thank God. And I came upstairs and my mother says, my mother's, you know, half Jewish. She says, there was, there was a check in there, wasn't there? I said, yeah. She said, I could feel it. She said, she said, she said how much was it for? Can I ask? And I said, yeah. She said, I said, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And she says, try me. I said, I'm telling you, you won't believe me if I tell you. I said, you're going to have to look with your own eyes. And I handed her the check, and she looked. And the same thing happened with her eyes. She's like, 
like she, the mind couldn't process, right? And here's what happened. She read, had to read it out loud. And she looked up at me. I was standing there. And she says, I will never, ever again question you in your extravagant sowing of seed. She says, God has shut my mouth. <laughs> well, till dinner at least. But on that subject, she never questioned it again. She says, I've watched and she says, I thought you were crazy, but now I see you were obedient to God. Okay, so we're going to run through these real quick. The kind of seed you sow is the kind of seed you reap. Now, how did I reap a financial harvest? Every time I got a piece of money, even though portions of it were stolen, the majority of it, my pastor. Because it was a bad time, and I'm not giving pastors a pass card on that. But I'm also letting you know that it's not like they were intentionally, they just had pressure and they, they made mistakes. And so people that have had pressure and they've made mistakes, forgive them. God will reward you when you remain taking the higher road. And remember, Proverbs 6, 30 and 31 says, Nobody despises a thief if he steals when he's hungry. Nevertheless, if he be caught, he must restore sevenfold. He must give all the goods of his household. So when somebody steals from you, or they've done something wrong, Lord, I forgive the individual, but I name the thief, the devil, who got in them and stole from me through them. Just like the person is the resource, but God is the source. The person is the hose, but God's the water. The person who stole from you is the vehicle by which the enemy was able to reach through and steal from your life. Forgive the individual. Our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. We have to recognize that you could bring somebody to court, you could bring them to the law, and I'm not saying there's not a time for that, but... And you don't want to do it because of what they did. You want to do that only so that they won't be able to do it to other people in the future. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's not a get even thing. It's to stop the behavior so other people aren't hurt by them. And if your heart isn't that way, get it right if you're going to do that. And it needs to be at the directive of the Lord. And sometimes forgiving them is actually more powerful than bringing them to the wall. But be led by the Spirit. And uh, so... When you forgive, God turns around and gives you that sevenfold return on the enemy. Say, Satan, I recognize you stole from me through that individual. I forgive them, Lord, forgive them. Bring your presence on them. Redeem them. Don't count it against them. Even as Jesus said, forgive them. They not know what they do on the cross. While we read up still sinners, Christ died for us. Or Stephen's getting stoned to death. You say, oh, that was Jesus. Well, uh, Stephen's getting stoned to death. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin to their charge. What did Stephen read? Jesus reaped a harvest of many brothers. He sowed the seed of his own life. Wow. And what did Stephen reap? He got a soul of Tarsus who was holding the people's clothes as they're stoning them to death. And he got brought up to heaven for a great reward and a martyr's crown. And what did he get? Jesus met Saul on the road to Damascus the next week, knocked him off his high horse, surprise blinded him with the light, called him into ministry, and two-thirds of the New Testament is now in our hands because of Stephen's seed of his own life of forgiveness while he's getting stoned to death. Do you see the power of that? So there's seeds of forgiveness you can sow, seeds of finances, seeds of clothing, seeds of job opportunities, seeds of sending people greeting cards and kindness. Okay. 
Number six, law number six. The size of your harvest is decided on the day you sow the seed, not on the day that you reap your harvest. Wow. The size of your harvest is decided on the day you sow the seed, not on the day that you reap the harvest. Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over till man get back into your bosom. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let me give you a stock illustration. If you bought stock on the day that you bought it and it went up 100x, you'd say, boy, I sure wish I'd have bought more. But you can't go put more in at that point. You have to put it in by faith. So sow where God tells you to sow. You're going to like this next one. Number eight. Okay, number seven. You do not reap the harvest in the same season or the same day that you sow the seed. When you were conceived in your womb, that night or that afternoon, you didn't get born the next day. It was nine months, and there was some pain that your mother who carried you went through. Morning sickness. She was eating for two. Uncomfortable. Can't sleep at night. Sometimes when you sow a seed, it's not fun after you've sown the seed. I've sown seeds so... How do I say this? The woman who gave two pennies, she gave all she had. That was a tremendous seed. And it caught Jesus' attention. The rich man gave out of his riches. The wealthy man gave out his wealth. But the woman gave out of her limitation. Do you want to know what the wealthy man had after he sowed his seed? still had the Mercedes, he still had the Rolex watch, he still had the Missoni suit, he still had the second house and the club membership. The other guy, he still had his assets and stocks and bonds. And You wanna know what she had after she gave all? She had something they didn't have. She had faith in God and she had Jesus. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to sow and get rid of all the stuff that he gave us so we could have a real relationship with him and then he could trust us again with it. I know of a man that on three occasions he's emptied out his entire bank accounts. He's been a millionaire. And emptied out his entire bank accounts because God told him to do it. And his advisors told him, you're crazy, this and that. He did it and God refilled him each time bigger. And what did he do with the money? He gave the money out to go evangelize. I know a guy that came from a wealthy family and he taught on seed time and harvest. And he said, God, I can't teach these principles because I have an inheritance and I have money. He says, I'm going to give all my money away and I'm going to sign off my inheritance where it goes to our, my brothers and sisters. So I literally can live this thing by faith. And his wife said, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> Get thee behind me, Satan. He did it, and God birthed that for him. And he was living in a 6,000-square-foot house, and they were traveling all the time. You want to know what he did? He said, I realize that this is not about Learjet's Corvettes and a house by the lake. The money is for the advancement of the kingdom. He downsized to like a 1,800-square-foot house. He said, I was happier. So I didn't need the intercom system anymore to find my wife. <laughs> and he said, I found out I was traveling 20 days a month. I wasn't even home that much anyway. And he said, you want to know what else I did? He says, I stopped buying brand new cars. I started buying them two years old. He says, they still work great. He says, but I started saving that money. It, was, it wasn't a depreciating asset. All that money that had depreciated the first two years, I bought him on a great deal. 
He says, and you know what? He says, I didn't feel like I wasn't on the cutting edge. So I enjoyed my car because now my car was serving me instead of me serving my car. My house was serving me instead of me serving my house. And he says, I began to then see the harvest and Jesus's purpose for the money, which was to relieve suffering, preach the gospel, and get the gospel into the uttermost parts of the earth. He says, and now my wife and I, we still have more. He says, because God refilled our coffers. He says, and I'm going to tell you something, it works in every country. He says, I've been in India in abject poverty, and I don't know how it happened. We went in and sowed with our time, talents, and energies, and brought food, and this and that. He says, I came out of there, and somebody that was a rich Indian wrote one check for over a million dollars. And I thought, I didn't go to India to, to reap finances. He says, but I left with it. He says, so then we went into Pakistan, and then we went here and there, because we used the money and kept it rotating, sharing the love of God and teaching the principles of the kingdom. Okay. You do not reap the harvest in the same season or the same day that you sow the seed. Now, there are exceptions to that rule. Amos 9.13 says the seed, the, the treader of grapes will overtake, uh, the plowman will overtake the treader of grapes. And I've actually sown and reaped in the same Minute. There was a there was a person who had uh, ten dollars. It's a funny story. They had ten dollars, and they went to this meeting, and they're like, "If I sow ten, I'll have to walk home. I can't take the bus. But if I sow five of the ten, I'll, I'll sow seed." And so while they're deciding between five and ten dollars on what they're going to do, the Lord is speaking to a person two rows back. I want you to give that person. $50. And he's like, okay, that's great. And he hears, I want you to give that person $100. And he's like, okay, that's great. He hears, I want you to give him $50. And he's like, is the Lord schizophrenic? Am I not hearing accurately? I don't care whether it's 50 or 100. I want to obey God, but I want to make sure it's... Finally, the guy goes up to the offering plate and he puts the whole 10 in. He was like, the widow's might all he had. And he felt like he was supposed to do it and he was going to walk home instead of taking the bus. And the man walks up and the Lord says, give him a hundred dollars. He's like, okay. So he just was really confused. He walked up, the Lord told me to give this to him and he gave him a hundred dollars. And the man's like, oh my gosh. And he says, this is amazing. He says, that's 10 times what I sowed. He said, I, I didn't know whether to give five or 10. And the man then understood. It wasn't God who was wishy-washy in the harvest. It was the person who was vacillating on how much they were going to sow. Because you can't outgive God. His hand is bigger than your hand. The care of the crops is critical to the success of the harvest. Haggai 1, 5 through 7. And that passage talks about you've sown much and reap little. Consider your ways. You sow much, reap little. You reap only to put into a bag with holes in it. Consider your ways. So if we have ways that are contrary to the way of the Lord, we will get a harvest, but we'll only put it in a bag with holes in it. We'll reap only to have it disappear in plumbing bills and you know, car tickets and all these little things that come, a health issue. And, and I'm not saying that if any of these things happen, that... You've got a hole in your bag. You might be experiencing warfare. There was a man who kept sowing 
every week at church and his business started going down and he had a job. The business went down, his job, he gets fired. And then what happens? He ends up having a plumbing problem and it's gonna be $3,500 to fix the plumbing problem. So he's got no job, his business went down and he now has a $35 plumbing problem. You'd think he was under a curse, but he was sewing and he was walking righteously. Here's what happened. He had to borrow 3,500. The person came in as they were knocking out the wall. It's like 30 years ago. They're knocking out the wall. What do they find? <laughs> they find a bag behind the wall with very old baseball cards. It's a baseball card collection that the previous owner had hidden in the wall. And he owned the house and all the contents according to the contract. And he'd had the house for like eight years before this happened. We're going to close out. But he legally had the cards that would never have been discovered without the $3,500 need. And he probably never would have known that the miracle was in his house hidden behind the wall until the plumbing problem happened. He ended up trading in the cards, selling key ones. He became debt-free in his house. So sometimes when you're sewing, things get worse. They don't get better. The care of the crops is critical to the success of the harvest. Number eight, number nine, always sow more than you need. When you need. Always sow more when your need is greater. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So if you need more, sow more. Because the day you sow is the day that you schedule your harvest. And the amount. Number 10, there is a continuous cost in farming. Matthew 21 through 9. Do you know that you have to continue to support the farm with water and other things after you've sown the seed? And then when you go to reap the harvest, you have to pay people to bring in the harvest? Wow. And here's the thing. When you sow, often God doesn't give it back to you in money only. He might give it to you in new ideas, business opportunities. You might get an email. And if you don't follow up on that email or that text message or that business meeting, Literally, I, I flew back in. I was 16 days with my wife. We were up in Southern California, Northern California. We did a TV broadcast and uh, with a friend of mine, a prophet friend of mine. We come back. I'm absolutely exhausted. We get in 11, 12, midnight. I don't remember what it was. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be in Jacksonville the next day. I've got to drive three hours through rush hour traffic in the morning. I get there, have the event. I'm tired. I've got to drive back. And then I've got to do a Bible study that night. And I'm tired. But I press through. You know what's happening now? Off of that one meeting opportunity. See, opportunity knocks once, but temptation leans on the bell. <laughs> and by the way, the next morning we got up, I had a friend of mine call. He says, would you go to Sarasota with me this morning? So my wife and I, we got in the car with him and his wife, went to Sarasota, another opportunity. Sometimes you have to take the opportunities because they are the opportunity that opens the door for the harvest. Don't just sow seed of time, talents, and energies but also take advantage of the opportunity that's presented because of the seed you've sown and capitalize on it. The fortune is in the follow-up. Number 11, a part of every harvest is for sowing again. So when you do have this harvest come in, don't spend it all. Sow a portion forward. Farmers don't eat all their seed. They put some in the barn. That's 2 Corinthians 9.10. And uh, law number 12, a part of every harvest is for the sower to enjoy. 1 Corinthians 9.9. 9. When you do receive your harvest, go out and do something good for you and your spouse. Go 
Go out and do something good for your children. Go have fun. It's okay to have fun. Not all of it is for ministry and this and that. God wants you to enjoy life. You'll live longer. You'll have a smile on your face that will be upright instead of the opposite direction. You won't look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. And you'll come back refreshed. And number 13, do not stop sowing if you've had a crop failure. That's Genesis 3, 1, 3, 11, John 3, 16, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, John 1, 12, Hebrews 2, 9 through 10. When you have a crop failure like many successful farmers have experienced, well, I said, I'm not trying. This thing doesn't really work. I said, I'm out of the farming business. I'm going to go get my job. No. You borrow seed or you go out and get some more seed or you take what you have and you sow again. Successful farmers have had crop failures. But they don't give up. And if you don't give up, this thing is fixed for us to win. The devil wants you to tap out. He wants you to get discouraged. wants you to have hope deferred that makes the heart sick. Instead of law, a, a, a desire fulfilled, which is like a tree of life. Proverbs 13, 12. Okay, number 14. God is the Lord of the harvest, so every harvest is a miracle harvest. God is the Lord of the harvest, therefore every harvest is a miracle harvest. You can't buy a healing from God, but you can certainly sow your way out of sickness. You see the difference? You can't go in, I'm going to go to this miracle service and I'm going to go sow a seed and get... No. You might go there, you might sow a seed, you might not sow anything. God will heal you regardless. But my point is, you might have to go to three different things, continue to sow. You might have a harvest failure, crop failure, but you will reap a harvest in due season if you faint not or do not give up. You know, there's five seasons. You've got winter, spring, summer, and fall. But there's a fifth season. It's called due season. For in due season, you shall reap your harvest if you do not give up. If you want perpetual harvest, continue to sh sh uh, sow perpetual seeds. And number 15, a twice-sown seed can bring a thousand times more. Deuteronomy 1, 10, and 11. We're going to close right there. So when you get two stalks of corn off one kernel of corn, each one of them has about 154 kernels of corn on a healthy corn cob. So you get 154 times two. And what if instead of eating the seed, you did a hundred percent replant on 154 seeds to get two more stocks? Or two more stocks or two more ears per seed. So it does 154. I don't remember exactly the math. But all of a sudden, you've got 300 kernels of corn. Now one you had one seed brought back two corn cobs. Now you just pull it off, chuck it, and you plant it out. Now you have 300 stalks times two ears times 154. And then you pull all that down. You have bags and bags and bags. That's the power of a twice-sown seed. And so often, gamblers double down in Vegas. They go for broke. Sometimes they leave and bust the house, right? 
The difference is the devil in Vegas is there to take your money. God is there to bless your money. And if you have a twice sown seed when you get a harvest and you double down with God, you'll get into that thousandfold realm. Now remember, this is about hearing from God. It's not about a spiritual slot machine, so don't mishear me. And remember this, this involves money, but it really isn't about money. It's about the laws of the harvest that are unbending. And it's also about what are you going to do with the money? Are you going to get Learjet the Corvette in a house by the lake? Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can? Glory be to me syndrome. Look at me, 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 me. Or are you going to use the money to go share God's love and turn the devil's world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ and meet the needs? You know, we just finished up a funding round in Africa for a house for our evangelists there. This week they'll be purchasing it. We already have a down payment with the generosity of others. He's going to have a three-bedroom home. We're going to have a ministry center there in Nigeria, West Africa, virtual church media. We're going to have a ministry and a media center there. And he's won millions of souls to Christ over the last 45 years. And we were funding food and rice, beans. We were going to the rural areas where the average income is $300 to $500 a year. And we were doing that from here. And we were sending the gospel there. And we were winning souls for about a dollar a head. 10,000 bucks, we could win 10,000 souls. 20,000 souls came to Christ and equally those. Then we put in a water well. And from the water well, we added a generator for like 2,500 bucks, went down 798 feet. We pieced this together from right here, from this fellowship and from people that have donated from around the nation. And we do 100% pass through because we want to reap the harvest in Nigeria, West Africa. Another thousand came to Christ because of the miracle of the water. They didn't have to walk three miles round trip to the Starbucks. Oh, I mean to the water hole just to get water. Yeah, it's different over there. And the witch doctors that were doing the human sacrifices have ceased. One got born again, one committed suicide. Just the reality. And uh, so the people are free. A total of 20,000 came, then 1,000, 21,000, and the 30,000 in the city, the village, the rural area. And now there's 55 other villages. So we bought four acres of land from the witch doctor. Now we fenced it with 15,000 cement blocks. We added in gates. And while our evangelist, Israel Augury, is 360 miles from his home in the capital city of Lagos, Nigeria, he's building their facility to give them stability to go release the ability to go win the 55 villages to Christ that want Jesus. He comes back in the 12 plex he's living in a new person purchases and they're telling everybody they have to be out in 30 days. So he's building somebody else's and he gets evicted at no fault of his own, along with other 11 families. Long story short, we end up raising funds for him, getting temporary housing, and now an opportunity came up. And so this weekend, they'll finish all the paperwork and next week he'll be moving in. He'll be in a nice little, and a gated community over there is a little bit different than it is here. I just want you to get the perspective. He's in a safer community. And so from there, we'll be able to store crusade equipment, drones. We can actually get the video footage, computer equipment. We can do Zoom calls and pray for people like you and others here because of the miracles that happen when they pray. 
We have a team of 30 that's on our intercessory prayer team. They pray from midnight till 3. They don't just say, we'll pray for you. Got you on the prayer list? No, they spend three hours at midnight. Sometimes they spend seven hours during the day. They go on three-day fast, 10-day fast, 30-day fast. They go after it. And the point is, he sowed the seed of his time, talents, and energies, and he wasn't deterred when he got evicted at no fault of his own. I will go finish the gates. God will provide. And then God opened the door, and he's about to have a house debt free because he didn't whine. He didn't complain. He did the work of an evangelist. And so that's a praise report. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to pray. Lord, we pray that these 15 unbending laws of the harvest and uh, 15laws.org, 15laws.org, you can go watch the program that we did years ago in 2014 on this subject. And it's much more detailed. And it's line upon line, precept upon precept. And God will speak to you through that. Also, as the Holy Spirit has moved to the Word, I would encourage you on a night like this or when you're watching to sow a seed. And you can sow one to virtualchurchmedia.com on our give link. We're building out and we're scaling right now. We just went on two different TV networks. And uh, we're rebuilding our mobile app and everything will be on demand from the palm of the hand here within about two to three weeks. And it's going to be amazing. So you're helping us get the gospel out to the world and those costs. You can also sow into any ministry the Lord directs you to. And if the Lord directs you to sow into a different ministry, do it. Like the Nike commercial says, just do it. They got that from Mary. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, just do it. And he turned water into wine. So I encourage you to step out on faith and to sow a seed into God's kingdom wherever he directs you to. You definitely have good soil here with virtual church media. At least you know what we do with the money. We win souls and we love to disciple the nations. Father, I pray your blessing now comes. There would be added teaching as men and women and children would open the scriptures and study to show themselves approved. You begin to show the laws of the harvest. They might reap and sow and reap and sow and sow and reap. And we thank you, Father God, for your laws of the harvest. Now thank you that you sowed a seed of your son and you reaped a harvest of many brethren. And as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer. We thank you for seed time and harvest. And we thank you that these laws work in our behalf because you've given us the knowledge from the word to apply them to our lives because you are the Lord of the harvest. Thank you for breathing on the seed that's already in the ground and the seed that will be sown for your glory. And Lord, it is you that give us, gives us power to get wealth to establish your covenant in the earth, the covenant of salvation. Show us as the harvest comes in on how to sow more into different areas to advance your kingdom, to put some away and also enjoy some. 
and to be a blessing unto others. As you refill our coffers, that we can do it again and again and again as you make us wise managers. I want to close with this. God doesn't answer your prayers based upon your need. He answers your prayers upon your management skills. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They had poor management skills. They got kicked out of the garden. You don't manage your garden, you get kicked out. You don't manage your marriage, you lose it. You don't manage your health, you lose it. You don't manage your business, you lose it. If you don't manage your ministry, you lose it. So Father, I pray that you would give us good management skills, that we would not be those that would sit on our blessed assurance, eating spiritual bonbons, sowing seeds, singing kumbaya, waiting for a harvest to come in. But when that harvest would come in and new ideas, witty inventions and opportunities, you would give us the wherewithal to make that call to take that meeting or that job and that you would multiply that in the marketplace in addition to everything else you want to do. And we thank you for this. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God, we call it done. Amen and amen. amen. You can also catch us on virtualchurchshows.com. We're on Canyon Star TV now. So we're adding our uh, content right now, canyonstar.tv. And you can go directly to our channel there, on demand from the palm of your hand, uh, Virtual Church Media, virtualchurchshows.com. Virtualchurchshows.com. That will get you into that link of Canyon Star TV. We'll be adding more and more content. And of course, virtualchurchmedia.com. And in the next few weeks, we'll have the fully functioning deluxe 2023 version of the mobile app, Accelerated Growth Using Technology, on demand from the palm of your hand. God bless you.